Good morning. Good morning oh, I can hear myself, so I'm loud. <laughs> Good stuff. Good morning, everyone. Uh, if you don't know me, my name's Darren, and it's my privilege today to welcome you to the next chapter of our series where we've been looking at the Songs of Ascent in the Book of Psalms in the Old Testament. Now, I'm going to start this morning by making a confession. For a number of years now, I have been quite a massive fan of the rock band U2. I don't know if that's cool or uncool. <laughs> Those of you who have known me for quite a few years probably know that I can't tell the difference between cool or uncool anymore. <laughs> Those days are long gone. But a few years ago, U2 announced that they had recorded a brand new album. Always good news for me, well, back then, not so much nowadays. But back then, I was really, really, really loved at their music. And this recorded album was called The Songs of Ascent. I was like, great, but what does that mean? But that title didn't mean anything to me back then. So of course, quick, quick search and quick bit of research. Oh, it's based on the, on the Psalms, Psalms 120 to 134. Great, new U2 album based on the Psalms. I'll be first in line to get that, except they didn't release it. And they still haven't released it. And they've said, we'll release it one day, when the time is right. So maybe when they fall on hard times or something, they'll, they'll figure it out. You know. But for the moment, the album has been recorded, but not released. And this, so this was announced a few years ago. And if I'm honest, I hadn't really thought about the Songs of Ascent again, until we've been doing it as a series now in church. So just revisiting the Songs of Ascent, what does it actually mean? So having a look in Eugene Peterson's book, Along Obedience, in the same direction, the Songs of Ascent, well, what were they? So they were in the Psalms, but they were, as the word would imply, songs. So they were Psalms meant to be sung. What about the Ascent bit? That was always a bit of a, sounds cool, what does it actually mean? Well, it's, it's kind of obvious when you, when you look, at, look at it, it's to ascend, to go up. So the songs of ascent were songs that were being sung while people were going up, specifically in this case, while the Israelites were going up to Jerusalem, where the temple was. So as they were ascending the heights to go up to Jerusalem, they were singing these psalms, these songs of ascent. So as they were ascending to meet the Lord, they were ascending physically, going up, but also these songs were being sung to ascend spiritually, to meet with the Lord. And a lot of theologians believe that these psalms, 120 to 134, as the Israelites were ascending, they were being sung in order, one after the other. So today we're going to be looking at Psalm 124, which is a psalm about help. So I'm going to read uh, this psalm now from the NIV, and it's one of the songs of ascent that we know was written by David. So I'm going to have a look, uh, read through the psalm now from the NIV version. So Psalm 124, a song of ascents of David. If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, if the Lord had not been on our side when men attacked us, when their anger flared against us, they would have swallowed us alive. The flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. 
Praise be to the Lord, who has not let us be torn by their teeth. We have escaped like a bird out of the fowler's snare. The snare has been broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Lord, thank you for this psalm. Thank you for what it tells us about who you are, Lord, our saviour, our defender, our help. I pray that as we take a closer look at what this means, Lord, I pray that we would have a, a renewed sense and a fresh revelation, Lord, of what this means for each of us here today. In your name we pray. Amen. So from this, this psalm, just going to focus on three main areas today. Number one is God is for us. Number two, God is mighty. And number three, God is merciful. So if we look at the first point, God is for us. Let's have a look at the first two verses. If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, if the Lord had not been on our side when men attacked us. When I was looking at this, what struck me was the word if. Such a huge word. So much in life hinges on the word if. What if? If only. Imagine if. Such a huge, huge word. And we've got David writing here, if the Lord had not been on our side. But guess what? The Lord was on his side. And David's writing from a place of someone who has experienced attack and adversity, but knows that the Lord was on his side. And quite frankly, if the Lord hadn't been on his side, David knows he would have been stuffed. He would have, he would have been defeated. He would have had no chance in the face of attack. So this song of ascent is one of victory and of celebration. I'd love to have known what the melody was while they were singing, while they were singing this, going up the hill to Jerusalem. So it is victorious, and David is a guy who had been through so much. And the question for us is, in our heart of hearts, do we really know that God is for us. We might know it in, the, in times of sunshine, in times of goodness, when everything's going well. But when we're attacked and we're facing challenges and difficult times, do we, at the core of our being, really know that God is for us? You might be sitting here thinking, well, yeah, okay, David was a great man of God. It's obvious God was, God was for him, but he's not for me. You might be thinking that if, you, if you're going through a, a real trial at the minute. But David had been through trials. What came to mind was Psalm 13, when David writes, How long, O Lord, how long must I have sorrow in my heart every day? How long must I have sorrow in my heart every day? I'm sure many of us know what that's like, to have sorrow day after day. But then David ends that psalm by saying, I will sing praises to the Lord, for he has been good to me. So even in those times, those dark times, he was able to draw on the truth that God was with him and for him. 
Here, he is someone he is someone who has faced attack and yet knew that God was for him. What about us? It's a challenge. But the truth is, God is with us and God is for us. And we say the word if. Imagine if you didn't know God. Imagine your life now, but without God in it. How different would your life be? You would be sitting here this morning. I would be standing up here looking at his word if I didn't have that, that truth, that knowledge of who God is. And it's a, it's a wonderful learning curve. We're always learning every day how great God is. And the more we look at him, the more we appreciate that. So the truth is God is for us. And the second point, God is mighty. Verses 3 to 5. When their anger flared against us, they would have swallowed us alive. The flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. What David's describing here is some pretty formidable opposition. Terrifying. Eugene Peterson described it as being like a dragon with anger flaring. And we've got here the description of floods engulfing us and torrents sweeping over us. You ever felt flooded by the storms of life, by situations that you were just way out of your depth? The challenges and the oppositions that we face in life are very real, very frightening, very powerful. We're going to diminish those by any means. But I'd encourage us all with the truth that God is bigger than anything that we face. However frightening the floods might look, the anger that we face. One of the things that really struck me was in those situations, we have a choice. We can look at those enemies that we're facing. Those enemies can be internal, external. They could be in the workplace. They could be a health issue. It could be a number of issues that we face in life. And we can focus on those problems and those challenges and those adversaries. The more we focus on those enemies and the opposition, it's like the bigger they become. And we, we can become overpowered by the thought and the reality of, of what, those, what those adversarial things are. So where's our focus? Is it on the problem or is it on God? The more we focus on God and his power and his might, where your focus is determines your outcome very often. I mean, some of you know that I ride a, I ride a, I ride a, a motorcycle. One of the first things that you learn when you're, when you're learning to ride a bike is don't look down at the handlebars, don't, don't look down... Don't be distracted. Look straight ahead because where you look is where your bike's going to end up. Where's our focus? Is it on our adversaries? Is it on the, the might of the enemy or is it on the might of God? Because God is mighty. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. Do we really acknowledge that and declare that in our situations? Do we invite God in and declare his might in the challenges that we're facing. David writes about, in verse 6, about being saved from being torn by the teeth of the enemy. 
Imagine that being, you think, I, think, I think of a crocodile or something like that, you know, being, and yet God being mightier, God being our deliverer, our saviour, the Lord being on our side. Because if God isn't on our side, we've, we're stuffed, we've got no chance. We, we will be overwhelmed, flooded and crushed and torn apart. But with God on our side, we have the victory in him. Which is why David writes, praise be to the Lord. Praise be to the Lord. And God is merciful. Verses 6 to 8. Praise be to the Lord who has not let us be torn by their teeth. We have escaped like a bird out of the fowler's snare. The snare has been broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Now, Some years ago, I was at my parents' house I remember we were in the living room and I could hear like a scratching kind of noise coming from above the ceiling. Like a weird kind of noise. Well, that's weird. I went upstairs just to see what, what that might be. There was no noise from upstairs. Came down and you could hear this noise. Strange. I thought, okay, got a broom and kind of with a broom handle tapping the ceiling and could feel this thing moving. The scratching kind of noise. It's a bit freaky. Didn't know what it was. Was it a mouse or something? I didn't know what it was. Anyway, kept tapping it along, went over to, over to the kitchen, and there's like a bit of trunking on one of the kitchen walls. Could feel, could hear this thing falling down. And I could feel it sort of going under the, under the sink with the cupboard. And I was a little bit, you know, a little bit, little bit scared. <laughs> it clearly wasn't anything that was going to, you know, flood me, like, like, like David's talking about here. But I was a little bit you know, intimidated by what this thing might be. Opened the kitchen cupboard. Don't know what your kitchen cupboards are like, but my mum's like bleach, J-cloths, you know, buckets and stuff. And there was a little bird just sort of down there, little brown bird. Uh, and this thing was frozen. And I remember, I remember seeing this bird's eye. It was, just, it was just still, like it was dead, but of course it, it was just there frozen. But opening, leaving the, the cupboard open, opening the windows, the patio doors, and just, just waiting, stepping back and just giving this bird some, some space. After about a minute, it just came out of the cupboard and flew around the dining room, just, just launched out of the window in, into the sky, just freedom. But I thought, the sense of relief that bird must have, must have felt. I just imagine his heart, having been trapped in between floorboards, then in the kitchen cupboard, going out. The relief, the relief. And David's kind of feeling that sense of relief here. Like a bird being released out of a fowler's snare. What about us? Do we, are we, have you ever been in a situation where you have felt, oh, I'm out of it? Last year... I was doing a, uh, I had very foolishly volunteered to do this course uh, for my job. I didn't realise how difficult this course was going to be. It was, it was like being back at school. And I thought, wow, is school really that hard? It's been a... <laughs> so I had to do these courses. I had to do homework. And it was a really intensive one-week course. Probably the hardest course. I don't, I don't remember my, my school exams ever being as hard as this. I really felt like I'd stitched myself up by volunteering for this. Because now everyone knew I was doing this. 
And it was like it was going to jeopardise my prospects in my, in my job if I had failed this course. I would have been written off as, you know, yeah, this guy's not really worth considering for any future progress, really. And I remember doing, I think, and I actually remember feeling, and I had even booked a trip to Liverpool during that time. I had to cancel that because I've now got to focus on this course. No social life, nothing. Focus on this course. And I, and I was just regretting it. And I said, God, I'm just stuck here. I'm in a course that I can't do. It's far too difficult for me. I'm not smart enough to figure this out. There's no way I'm going to rem remember this. I just remember I was so stressed about it. I was getting headaches and all sorts. And it was like, I thought, this is a... I, I felt like a bird in, in, in the snare. I was trapped. I can't get out of this. I can't get out. I, just, I was just crying to God every day. I was on my knees. I was praying. I said, God, give me the wisdom. Help me to... And I was really putting the effort in. And when the course was over, thankfully by God's grace, I, I think I passed it by like two, two marks or whatever. It was enough, you know, got through it. But that sense of, ah, oh, I just remember just literally sort of going on my bed, he was going, just collapsing on my bed. Thankfully, I got the result instantly. Didn't have to wait weeks to get the result. But that sense of, I, I kind of felt like I, I had been in that, just in torment really during that. And that sense of freedom and liberation that came afterwards I believe it was because God was on my side, like David writes here. In my own strength, had I been trying to do that, no, I don't think I would have got through that. But I, I really had just trusted God, and I had kind of, I had been disciplined, and I did put the work in, but I was just trusting God with it. So I know how it feels to kind of, oh, get out of a situation that, that uh, I felt trapped in. Similarly, there's been issues where maybe you're somewhere and you think, ooh, this is a bit of a shady neighbourhood. And you think, ooh, I don't like the look of where I am, or I don't like the feel of where I am. And you get out and you're somewhere safe, you're like, I'm safe now, you know, I can just chill. You know, times like that. But it all comes down to knowing that God is for us. Knowing that in the core of our being, that he's not going to leave us or forsake us, as he, as he says in his word. Do we really know that, even in difficult times? Or do we hold on to the truth of who he is? I thought as, um, I didn't want to speak for too long this morning, because I really want, felt that, as I was looking at this, that the Lord was wanting to speak into situations today where people maybe feel that they are a bit like that bird who's caught in a snare. Maybe it's a difficult situation and you're thinking, how do I get out of it? Where, where's the exit door? I'm stuck. I need to get out of this. Whatever that might be, it could be a job situation, it could be a health situation, a work si uh, relationship situation, a difficulty that you think, God, I just need your help here. I just need, I've had enough of this. I, I'm, I'm scared and I just feel like I can't breathe. I want to be able to, to fly like this trapped bird was able to fly out into the sky again. It's been, maybe some of you feel it's been a while since you've flown in that sense of freedom. So, and it's some about help. So maybe there's, you may not feel trapped necessarily, but there could be situations where you just need God to help you in something. We all need help in our lives for something at some time or another. What do you need help with? It could be help with you. I mean, come and help me with my conifers. I'm always, I need help with my, my, my garden and, and, and whatever it is. But what do you need a touch of God in your life for this morning? I thought it'd be really cool if we could, like we've been doing for the last sort of, a few times now in church, is we've been getting together in twos and threes and we've been praying for each other, asking God to intervene in, in each other's situations. I thought it would be really cool if we, if we did that, just collectively as a, as a church family. 
And I'm going to ask um, the worship band, is, is, while we do that, if we could just have a bit of, bit of music in the background. And I would just encourage us all, just to get into twos and threes, or whoever's near you, just say what you need, what you need help for. What do you need God to touch your life in, in, in whatever way that is for you? And tr to trust that God will intervene, because God is with us, he is for us, and he is mighty to save. So approaching, as we've been hearing about God being, being, God being awesome, but God being approachable, and being a good, good father who we can run to. So let's run to him this morning. And let's lift those situations up to him. And uh, yeah, so let's, let's do that. Let's do that. I really felt that, that that would be a powerful thing for us to do.